Hello, Northwest. Hope you are doing well this weekend. Hope you have your Bibles. We're going to be in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. I know this is hard to believe, but in James chapter 5, 1 through 6, he uses perhaps the harshest um, tone and words that he has used thus far. Again, James has been really coming after believers who said they have faith but are not living like it. And in this text, he is really coming hard down on some some folks that are not believers, that are really wealthy, and they're exploiting the poor. And that's really James's concern here. He's concerned over what they are doing to the poor. He's also really confident. I think you'll see this in the text. He's really confident in the justice of God and that God will make this right. And one day he will do that. Um, maybe not in our time, but again, he will make it right. And he's very confident of that, especially with the way that he talks in the text. And so we're going to take a look at uh, James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read the first verse, and then we're going to break down uh, the, the rest of it. And so let me just go ahead and read, to the, read you the first verse. It says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. So we have two groups. We have the rich ungodly, and we have the poor godly. And, and so he comes right down and uses the same wording he used last week when he talked about bragging about where we go and where we spend our money. And what we do. And so he says, come now, you rich. That means I need you to listen up, you, um, you rich, ungodly people. I need you to hear what I'm getting ready to say. What I'm getting ready to say to you. And he says, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. He is using Old Testament. He's using judgment, the judgment of God. He's using words that talk about when God will judge for sin. For those that do not know him. Um, hell is a real place. And, and, and James does not want us to go there because we're separated from God for all eternity. It's a real place. And he uses these words and says, Hey, listen, I want you to weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you if you continue to act the way that you're acting. Um, you are exploiting these poor people. And, and that's not right. And so James, again, he comes after him. So, so what, are, what are they doing? What are these ungodly rich people what are they doing I, there's four things that they're doing and we're just gonna um i'm gonna say them and then we're gonna read the verse that backs this up and says so so the first thing they are doing is they are hoarding their wealth look at verses two and three your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten your gold and your silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire you have laid up treasure in the last days. Here's what he's, he's saying in verse 2. You, you have so much stuff that you're just storing it somewhere away, and you're not even using it, and it's rotting. You, you're, you're storing all these things away. They're moth-eaten. They're garments. You have so many clothes, we don't even know what to do with them. You don't even know that you have them. Um, and, and then your gold and your, your, your silver have corroded. That's really... They really don't corrode. They might um, tarnish. But what he's saying is the best you have, you've got the best you have. And what's going is you don't even know or you don't even, you're not even missing it. You have gold and you have silver, the most precious of metals, and you're not even missing um, these things. You're hoarding these things up. You're hoarding your wealth at the expense of those that need something. And we'll, we'll, we'll cover that in just a minute. 
And what else are they doing? So they're hoarding their wealth. And the second thing they're doing is found in verse 4 is they're cheating the workers. Verse 4, what does it say in verse 4? Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Here's what's going on right now. You had money if you had land. If you did not have land, then you worked for people who had uh, land so that you could make money to be able to pay for your things and to take care of your family. These poor, godly people did not have status, did not have a lot, and so they were working for these rich people. And, and what's going on is they were working, they were diligent, they were faithful, they were servants, and they were doing the job that was asked of them to do. The, 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 the fact of the matter is they weren't getting paid for their job. It was not that they did not have enough money. It was just they were taking advantage of them. They were defrauding them. And as the text says, that they were uh, in fraud. And so what are they doing? What are, these, what are these rich, ungodly people, what are they doing right now? They're hoarding their wealth and they are cheating the workers. And the third thing they're doing is they're living in luxury and self-indulgence. Look at verse 5. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Now, now let's, the text in the Bible is not talking about it's sinful to have nice things. It's not sinful to be wealthy. It's not sinful to have a lot of money. Those things are not sinful at all. What he's saying is that the love of money is the root of all evil. It Really, it comes down to a love of self. And here's what they're doing. That's what ungodly people are doing. They love themselves more than anything in the world. And so they want to feed that. And what they're doing is that they are feeding that. They're living in luxury and self-indulgence. They're fattening themselves. And they have people that they're not paying and people that are hurting because they're not getting paid. And so they're taking advantage of them. And James, of course, is addressing this injustice because it is, it is dangerous to them. And he's giving them a warning. And he's also wanting it to be a wake-up call for those of us that have money, whether we're godly or ungodly, especially those who are godly, that if you do have money as a godly person, that you would not use it to exploit other people. That's not what God would want. So then there's the fourth thing that he's doing in verse 6 that they're doing. They, it says, if you have condemned and murdered the righteous person, he does not resist you. Verse 6, basically what's going on, by not giving them their wages, by not providing them wages so that they can buy food, so that they can feed their family, what in essence what you're doing is you're killing them. You are murdering them. Their family is not able to eat. Their kids are not able to eat. They are not able to provide in many ways, and they have um, a good work ethic, they're being good stewards with their time. They're doing what's asked of them. They don't have any money. And at the end of the day, you're cheating them. But not only are you cheating them, you're killing them. And James is, is addressing that right there. The question remains is, how do the godly poor respond to this? Maybe I asked you the question, how would you respond to this? How, how would you respond to this? How do you respond to this, this injustice? Um, here's, here's how they respond. Verse 4 is so beautiful. Look at verse 4. Behold the wages of the laborers. Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud. Here's what they're doing. They are crying out against you. 
And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Verse 6, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. Here's how they respond. He does not resist you. This is what they're doing right now. They are frustrated. They are confused. They don't know what's going on, but here's what they do know. They do know that God is good. They do know that God is faithful, and they do know that God will take care of them. And they have absolute confidence in the justice of God like James does and says, God, says, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving this issue to you. Yes, we don't have it. I've, we've seen some family members die. We've seen some, some folks that are really hungry. We, we don't have a lot. We're working really hard, and we don't have anything. Not because of sin that's in our life, but because of their sin and they're taking advantage of us. And so how do they respond? They respond by first going to the sovereign God of the universe and giving this request to them. What, what James is, is saying and what James is leading us to see is there is an injustice that's going on and I need you to bring this request and bring it to God and I need you to pray. Um, I need you to pray. I remember um, in, in, in Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah was just overwhelmed, overwhelmed with some things that were going on. Just overwhelmed with some things that were happening because his people were not able to worship. And what's the first thing that he did when he saw that the temple wall was in ruins and they could not worship God? What's the first thing that he did? He retreated in Nehemiah chapter 1 and he got on his knees and he prayed, O sovereign God of the universe. Because a burden God searches for burdened believers, Nehemiah was burdened in the first place that he ran to. Was not, Lord, um, let me fix it. He was, Lord, I submit this to you. I'm asking you to open this door. It, it, what we learned from the godly poor and how they responded to this injustice is they responded to it by simply saying, God, uh, we are giving this request. You hear our prayers. We're crying out and, and, and you hear our cries. And it says they did not resist. Um, they gave this request to the Lord. I, I think one of the things that we can learn in here is 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 about um, what do we learn? Like, how what do we learn from this text, and what can we? How can we apply this text to our lives? I think when we approach the resources that God has given us, I think there must be a posture of stewardship and not ownership. So here's a question that I pose to you. Are you living like an owner or are you living like a steward? Are you living like an owner or are you living like a steward? You see, here's what an owner says. This is what an owner says. An owner says really four things. An owner says, I do not belong to the Lord. I do not belong to the Lord. That's what an owner says. He has not owned me. He's not in charge of me. He is not my boss. He's not my God. I do not belong to the Lord. And when an owner says, I do not belong to the Lord, then an owner naturally will say, nothing I have belongs to the Lord. Why? Because it's mine. Listen, when your kids were younger, if you had kids, your nephews, your whatever the case, um, you even said this yourself or you've heard things You've heard the saying, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. It, 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 we've said it as adults, and young kids have said it, and we're still saying it. Hey, listen, listen, you know what I say? The Diet Coke in the refrigerator, that's mine, hands off. Okay, you're not drinking the Diet Coke. It's probably good for you, but the Diet Coke in the refrigerator, it's mine. <laughs> you, you've, we've all heard sitting things. That's my blanket, or that's, those are my headphones, or, or those are mine, and that's mine. 
so we, we got to be really careful. But when we enter into and we have a posture of being an owner, that we are an owner and not a steward, then here's what takes place. Uh, you say, I don't belong to the Lord, but you also say, nothing I have belongs to the Lord. Why? Because it's mine. It's a mine mentality. In addition to that, you also say, I deserve all that I work for. That everything that I work for and all that I do is because of me. And because it's because of me, then it's all mine. I deserve it. So not only is it yours, but there is a, there is a posture of saying, I deserve this. I am the owner of it. I deserve it. In, in addition to that, there is, there is this belief that as an owner, um, that you are the only one that answers it, that you only answer to yourself. So an owner would say, I answer only to myself. That's what an owner would say. I, I'm in charge. We have been hitting this so hard. I believe that the two greatest sins and everything falls under this is, is, is pride and idolatry. Every other sin really comes under those two things. Pride and idolatry. Worshiping something that's not God. Most importantly, it's yourself. And, and when, it, when we have this posture of an owner and not a steward, we say, I don't belong to the Lord. Then nothing I have belongs to the Lord. And I deserve all that I have. And I only answer to myself. That is what an owner is. But a steward is something radically different. A steward is something radically different based off of Romans chapter 1, verse 6. Romans chapter 1, verse 6, which, which it says that each belong to the Lord. So when you're saying that I'm a steward of all the resources that God has given me, the wealth, all of the money, all of the, the, the things, all that God gives me, you're making a declaration that I belong to the Lord. That's the first thing you're saying. I belong to the Lord. I am His. He is mine and I am his. The second thing you're saying is, is everything I have belongs to the Lord. So since I am his, then you're saying that everything that I have, all of my possessions, everything, my bank account, my 401k, everything, my cars, my house, whatever it is, everything that I have, it belongs to the Lord. It's his. It's all his. Another thing too is everything that I have is a gift. That's what a steward does, and that's how a steward operates. A steward sees that everything that they have and possess is all a gift from God, who is a great, great giver. The, the opportunities that I have are a gift from God. The kids that you have are a gift from God. The air that you're breathing right now is a gift from God. The cars that you drive are a gift from God. The, 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 the fact that you're a part of today is a gift from God. Everything that we have is a gift from God because he is good. And not only that, you make the declaration that I am a steward of the Most High God. You're making a declaration. I belong to the Lord. Everything I have belongs to the Lord. Everything I have is a gift of the Lord. And therefore, I am a steward. Lord, let me use my time. Let me use my resources. Let me use them for your glory and my good. Let me use them to help other people encounter you and know you. Listen, John 3.16 is perhaps one of the most famous verses of all time. And uh, we often look at it as uh, the verse that really summarizes the gospel. And, and it really does. Um, but it also 
lets us know who we serve. Who we serve. We serve the God of the universe, and this is what he did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is the greatest giver in all of the world. You know that um, Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, is worth $113 billion. And, and um, uh, Bill Gates, Bill Gates, number two on the list, is worth $98 billion. And you look at that and you're like, wow, those guys are really have a lot of money and they're also giving a lot of money away. Bill Gates has given a lot of money away. Warren Buffett, he's at $56 billion and he's given a lot of money away. But none of them even compare to what the God of creation has given. So since he has given so much and much is respected, so let us, Northwest, let us be good stewards. Let us be good stewards with the things that we have. It's okay to have things. It's not okay for those things to control us. Nice things, not a problem with having them. Let's make sure that we truly are not owners and have an owner mentality, but that we are good stewards because every good and perfect gift comes from above. So let us steward it with great passion, with great boldness, and with our hands tied loosely to those things. Let's do that. Let's do that together. Listen, I love you guys. Can't wait to see you soon. Have a great day.